I'm Jenny Thomas. And I'm her friend, Ellie David. We decided to create a podcast that embodies what you would talk about with your closest friends. So sit back and relax and put your headphones in. Because you're listening to the Honestly Unfiltered podcast. Hello and welcome to the Honestly Unfiltered podcast. Today, Elliot and I have with us Kathy Hennessy, who is a licensed social worker. She has a website called Being the Black Sheep. She is she's currently doing a study. Well, actually, I'm just going to let her tell you more about it. Kathy, how are you? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm stuttering because I'm nervous. <laughs> okay. I'm the one that's supposed to be nervous. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been doing this study um, for people who self-identify as being the black sheep of their family. Um, so the first part of the study was like a survey. I just asked a bunch of questions and um, and that part's over. I'm still accepting people to interview to kind of get more details about their experience being the black sheep. Um, so it's been very interesting to, obviously there are patterns, right? Like everybody knows who, what the black sheep is. Um, but there's not that. I was looking for a book to help me with my process and couldn't find one. And so that's what made me say, well, I'll just write one. And okay. so I'll get that, you know, I'll work on my own healing while hopefully helping other people in their process as well. So thought in order to do that, I should talk to a bunch of people that identify as black sheep so that's where that is now what's your what's your background in the field like how long have you been you know a therapist like what what's your so I've been practicing therapy for um about 14 years um and many of my clients identify as a black sheep of their family um which is not necessarily surprising. Um, and, and me feeling like I was the black sheep of my family, I finally, you know, decided that I wanted to look more into that. And um, so I can help others and help myself in the process. How do you identify how what what things made you identify as the black sheep of your family? Well, I am the middle of three girls and um, always felt like I was different from them. And it was pointed out that I was different from them, that I, my mother used to say, you know, I marched to my own drum. (laughs) Um, And that was when she was being complimentary. Mm -hmm. But frequently that was annoying, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it, I was frequently put down or made fun of, or, um, you know, kind of spoken to in a way like get back in line, you know, and that just didn't feel like me. Right. Um, so, you know, I bumbled along in my life making, you know, marching to my own drum and made some decisions that you know worked for me at the time but didn't wasn't well received by the family um and but here I am now (laughs) you know having a thriving psychotherapy practice so you know I and I think that I am a better therapist because of all of those experiences that Definitely. I had, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, now you have mentioned, I mean, you reached out to me for a reason. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about yours, your experience. I, or why. Ellie and I have that. talked about this where we, we feel it differently. I, I have two, 
my my siblings, my family split. My parents were divorced when I was young. Mm. So I feel it on my mom's side because I have I have a brother on that side and my mother there. And I feel it from my father's side. My father has passed away 20 years ago, but I definitely feel it with um, my half siblings and my stepmother from that side. So I, there's two families and I don't really belong to either one of them. I mean, mm. I do to a sense, my brother from my, my, from my mother's and father from my father's first marriage, we, we're really close, but only because he's witnessed, he recognizes the abuse that has happened to me from all sides. Our mother is also a narcissist. And I learned early on in therapy that my brother is the golden child and I'm the scapegoat. So I kind of got mm-hmm. it. I kind of get it from, from all angles there. And it's mm. a, f- and you know, it, there was an incident that happened and we did a podcast episode and really what happened was, is I was, you know, making a joke, calling myself the black sheep of the family. And I was looking for like a clip art or something to put into like our podcast art. And I stumbled upon your website. And the more I read it, I was like, well, wow, I am really the black sheep of the family. <laughs> and it's not the rebel, the, you know, the person, the person causing all the problems. It is someone like me who is really just minding their own business and is, per- but, but I'm perceived in this light that I'm the irresponsible one and I'm the yeah. outspoken one and I'm the troublemaker maybe because I call everybody out on their crap, but, um, really all I want to do is love everybody and, and help them because I'm the one they also come to if they need something or if they're in trouble. So it's, it's, right. it's a bit of, you know, a, a, a it's a, it's a bit of a tug of war. And at the moment I am not speaking to one side of the family and, in the last year, my, my brother, he's moved to another state and my mom's moved to another state. So it's really, I've really felt kind of abandoned and not really knowing my place in the last year. Hmm. There's a, that's, that's a mountain. That's a, that's a mouthful there. There's a yeah. little bit to unpack right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I, I mean, for me personally, yeah, I'm, a, I'm still trying to kind of like, figure it out but i agree with jenny as far as the i'm very curious to hear your thoughts about split families and how that equates because honestly i feel like my parents also divorced and i always felt like the black sheep when it if you're grouping my father and his new family and i don't i don't have well my sisters and he does have stepchildren um And I'm definitely the black sheep over there. But with my mom and when we're my mom, my stepdad and my sisters, I believe it would be my sister, my the middle sister. I'm the oldest of three girls. Mm. So and I also feel like it changed as we grew up. Mm. So I'd like to see what you think about that, because if I'm really being honest, I think that when we were younger, I wasn't the black sheep as much as I am now on both sides. I mean, honestly, and kind of for the same reasons that Jenny's saying is you're the responsible, you know, I put up, yeah. And I put up boundaries, which Mm, they don't like, and I don't accept bad behavior anymore. And I don't accept abuse. And I, you know, I also don't, you know, we have addiction in our family. We have different things going on and believe me, I have my own stuff, but you know, I'm very like, look, um, I'm not responsible for you. You're, you know, a 36 year old woman, you know, <laughs> like, like right. we had at some point we had, cause I feel like my siblings have a hard time. One sister is not married with any children. The other has one young child. I was the first to have kids and be married and all those things. And it's like, I have this whole other life, you know, that I'm living as well with my husband and his family. And, you know, but they are, it's almost like they want to keep you in this childhood mm-hmm. that we had all the, you know, it's like, no, we grow up and we, we, you know, move, move past. So it's, I don't know. I have a hard time really 
when I asked my husband, he was immediate. He's like, I'm the black sheep <laughs> of his family, which totally makes sense. But <laughs> I'm very confused. And again, he's the most <laughs> responsible one. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's interesting because I've, you know, I've called myself the black sheep, like for as long as I can remember. And my first husband had a hard time with that and, and was like, well, that's such a negative term. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> your point um and even you know my current husband so I divorced and, and remarried has said the same but it's like well that's how I feel like I feel negative I feel yucky when getting together with the family like mm-hmm. what are they gonna say this time how am I gonna be treated and like just the the tension and like you know so many things being pointed out that they would never point out to like their friends. Yeah. So um, yeah, in my family, there was, um, there's a lot of codependence mm-hmm. and you know, what I have noticed is that there is a lot of narcissism related to black sheep. And I think, you know, when you think about narcissism and whoever it is that is the narcissist wants things their way. Well, the black Mm -hmm. sheep was born and has different thinking. Like, no, why does it have to be your way? Why can't it be my way or her way or his way? Right? Like, why does it always have to be your way? Mm -hmm. You know? And so I think that that, that questioning, that, well, that curiosity, that willingness to explore other ways of doing things or other ways of being, you know, clashes with, mm-hmm. you know, the narcissist thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and I think, you know, so when the pandemic happened, I was, besides the initial anxiety that all of us had, right of what is this right mm-hmm. i was enjoying not having to get together with my family <laughs> <laughs> i was like wow this feels nice because there was all this like oh well we have to celebrate this holiday oh it's somebody's mm-hmm. birthday. like we always have to get together and it's like i would dread these occasions right and so having the pandemic kind of really made me question what that feeling was as opposed to all the years before of just going well this is just the way it is and Mm -hmm. I'm the problem and so you know so now with this space I'm like am I the problem right (laughs) you know and what can I do to heal myself um so yeah and and the codependence has you know I've seen it with with me wanting to make different choices like after high school or even quitting college and getting married young and um but then even seeing it with the next generation with my sister's kids growing up like they're supposed to yeah (laughs) going off to college and moving in with a boyfriend and joining Mm -hmm. the military was like it was this morning like somebody had died like they turned 18. They grew up. They're supposed mm-hmm. to fly the nest. Why is this shocking? You know, mm-hmm. like, so the codependence definitely runs um, in the family. And I think that there is some narcissism um, specifically with my sister. Um, you know, I think I felt that I felt more pressure from my siblings than I did even from my parents, which is interesting because I think, you know, a lot of the people that I've been talking to, it's my mother treated me this way, my father treated me this way, or my mother was a narcissist, my father was a narcissist, where I felt like certainly it comes from the top, but then it was Mm -hmm. siblings, like, get back in line, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Oh, I I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely I can relate. And I I think that's what I'm trying to say, even, and you're saying it better, but, you know, it's, we finally got to a place where we're all adults 
and able to make our own because like you said it starts at the top so yeah and both of our parents my parents were narcissistic but at some point you get to make choices for yourself and the more I pull back because that's healthier for me I I always call it detached with love Mm -hmm. you know I don't want to amputate I'm trying not to amputate but there it's that that feeling of you got to get in here and do what we're telling you to do or you're out of the club, you know, or, or you don't love me or you don't, you know, and I'm not capable of that in a healthy way without it making me really sick. You know, it's just what it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, as you know, like my mother, obviously she, my mother kept me close growing up. I didn't really get to fly on my own until I was 17 or so. That's really when I started going out with friends socially. And it was just the end of the world. I didn't go away to college in Boston. Um, I, was, I got accepted to Boston College and I, was re- I really wanted to go. My father wanted me to go. He said I needed to get away from everything, everyone here. And my mother cried and she begged me not to go. And I didn't. But then once I, you know, I I became close with my girlfriends and it was never home. It was you're with that girl. You don't, you don't do this. You don't do that. And it just became, I noticed every, every important friend in my life that I've ever had, it's become, it's a very big issue with my mother that I love them more than her or, or they're more important or you're. Even when I married my husband, it was the same way. And on my father's side, he was an addict. He was an alcoholic, um, which is why my parents divorced. And he remarried when I was in high school. So, and he passed away when I was 27. So he didn't, he didn't tell his wife that he had kids when he got married. So, and we were really kind of kept apart. I was kept apart. My brother, um, he was, he was, he was welcomed into their family, but anytime I wanted to partake, it was next time. No, this isn't a good time. You know, your brother can come this time, but you'll come next time. And I found out later from my sister that it was because they were worried I'd be like my mother. So they kept me isolated from the family. Now to this day, I, I truly believe that they all they all think and act like I am like my mother, but it's a, you know, it's been years of my, me tiptoeing around the way they treat me and the things that they say about me and the things that they bring up from childhood that I can't react because of the label. Well, she's just like Diane. So I I think this past year I pretty much reached a breaking point and I didn't handle it. I didn't handle it in the best way I could have. Um, But I was also dealing with someone in the family that has an alcohol problem and likes to blame it on everybody else. Mm. It's been a very complicated dynamic trying to figure out where to fit in in, Mm. and such. So, um, but really more of my problems have started to have occur with my mother and with that side of the family in the past year or two, because I have, like Ellie, put up boundaries and said, I'm not going to accept this. This is not acceptable behavior. I'm not going to tolerate that. I will go months on end without speaking to my mother because I've had enough of her verbal abuse. And as I said right now, I'm not talking to my other side of the family because I've had enough of it. So it's just him, my brother, my brother, you know, I call my brother, you know, my brother with my mother. He just kind of stays out of it. He moved away. He can't deal with any of it. He just pretty much doesn't want to talk about it. He shuts it all down. So that's his way of coping with it all. Mm. So it's a really, it's a real healthy dynamic. (laughs) (laughs) It's a real healthy family over here. Well, if that's what's working for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we're all just trying to get through Mm -hmm. and figure out what, what do I need in this situation? And so. Oh, yeah. You know, your brother just said, see ya. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if that works for him, then okay. Oh, yeah. Kathy, what are your thoughts on, because we, Jenny and I have talked about this and I'd like your perspective. The shoulds, right? 
like we're just covered with shoulds all the time. And something that I am a big proponent of at this point is you don't have to have your your family of origin in your life all the time. Nope. And sometimes not at all. And I'm trying to, like you said, like trying to figure this out for myself, help other people too, in a way with the podcast where, you know, just because they're your brother or sister does not mean that you're obligated to have a relationship with them. And that might be hurtful to them, but you have to protect yourself. So like, that's my question, I guess, is, is that healthy? Is it not? Is it dysfunctional? Is it just running away? Like I, you know, I feel like it's healthier. So I think there's different levels of relationship, right? I think looking back at my situation, there have been times when I felt like I was friends with my older sister and my younger sister at okay. different points. Like our, the alliances have shifted so many times um, <laughs> over the years. Um And where I'm kind of at with my sisters is that I'm not friends with either one of them. I don't enjoy them. I don't think they enjoy me. (laughs) But I do know that there's still love there. Mm -hmm. Whatever dysfunctional love it is, I do know that if the shit hits the fan, that we will be there for each other in some capacity. But we don't have to socialize with each other. We don't have to talk to each other all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. I pretty much never talk to my siblings. But it still feels weird to not do, like, holidays together. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, But as my family is growing, I've got... um, So I have one son and two stepsons. And so two of the guys are married now so now we've got mm-hmm. two daughter-in-laws um so my family's growing and so and and now that my mother has passed like those holidays are going to shift mm-hmm. right because i'm now the matriarch of my family mm-hmm. my mother's right family, right um so you know that is going to shift so i won't have to necessarily spend the holidays I may choose to but like so I think that you know I'm doing what I feel comfortable with just like not being friends we don't have to chat we don't have to catch up I don't have to tell you or you don't have to tell me that this happened or that happened you know um but like other other people that I have spoken to have felt like it is healthy for them to have zero, zero contact with anyone in their family. Um, And some of that might be, well, even though I like this sibling, that sibling is still too much in touch with that parent. And so if I'm friends with this sibling, all that, all my stuff's going to get back to that parent. And so you know, mm, yeah. they have to mm. cut them off. Um, I'm not at a place where I feel like I need to sever ties, um, but just, you know, some healthy distance, <laughs> you know? Um, and and even like just being in their presence for so long, I just silenced myself. Well, I felt like I was frequently silenced Mm -hmm. like either by not being allowed to get a word in edgewise or several times was told nobody needs nobody wants to hear what you're saying like (laughs) be quiet like nobody wants to hear that Mm -hmm. like several times that was said to me and I'm like okay so I was silenced and then I silenced myself but then I always had that pit in my stomach Mm -hmm. of why am I going? Why am I spending time with these people when I'm silenced? Like, this isn't how I want to spend my time, but there was those shits. 
well, it's a holiday you're supposed to. You should spend it with your family, right? Um, but then I started like working on myself and figuring out, well, how can I be with them and not be silent? And so started pushing back and saying, that was rude. That was mm-hmm. hurtful. Not talking about that. You know, if they would ask, like, what's your problem? Uh, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm not here to fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here to have a nice day. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. You know, like, so I started having boundaries, but also pushing back and not allowing, like you said, the abuse or the poor treatment. Um, and I can do that by getting up and leaving, which I haven't had to do yet. Um but um, yeah, I mean, I think these shoulds come from the generations. This is how things have always been done. And therefore I should do this or I should behave this way or I should, you know, have this type of relationship, but there are no shoulds. Right. What feels healthy for you is, what you should do. The right <laughs> choice. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if it's not feeling healthy for you, if it's like you said, if it's making you sick, then why are you doing it? Right. I can understand that about being silenced. I mean, I can't. I've received, you know, a text message from a family member that told me to basically stop speaking about my family because I was unqualified to do so and that (laughs) uh, I had a different recollection of things that occurred. And I didn't even say anything about that bad at that point. I mean, so I, you know, when my husband and I first got together and married, it, it was funny because we both looked at each other and our families like, what's wrong with you? I don't get it, in a sense, because his family, they all love each other. They talk now and then here, there, if their father's sick or, you know, whatnot. And there's four of them. My husband's the oldest. We would see them on holidays if we were able to, but it wasn't an obligation. It was more of a want on my husband's side. Whereas our family, we were all up in each other's business. And I would always look at him and be like, I don't understand. You don't talk to your brother every day. You don't, you know, he mm-hmm. would talk to his parents every day because he's always called his mom or called his dad to see how they are. Cause he, you know, he's like that, but I never understood that. And he didn't understand the dynamic of why we were, you know, and vice versa. So, but I, but I almost think his, the way his family behaves is better because there's never a fight. There's never an argument. Nobody's ever upset in that family. They, they see each other they on Christmas, they, they eat, they hug, they go home. That's it. There's no animosity, no jealousy. No, it's, I mean, it's a healthy family. And, I, and I, what do you do with that? It's like, I was like shocked when I first, when we first got together. Well, the together. codependency isn't there. Right. I think that's the difference between that dynamic and you and I and our dynamic uh-huh. with our families. Cause I was the same way. Right. It was like, you know, we were just way too in each other's shit. I mean, it was like, we knew too much, you know, we, and everybody felt like they had the right to an opinion. And Mm. then, you know, our youngest sister is really struggling and has for many, many years with her addiction. And so then there's that it's, it's who's going to take care of her. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. Even though, it's been, we've all been taking turns with, that's just one issue. Okay. Mm. Um, but it, it it's, yeah, it's this, you know, just judgment, I guess a lot of judgment, a lot of, I think way too involved. I think, I think that is very toxic to be way too involved. You know, I'm always preaching to my 18 year old. I have three daughters. The oldest one just had a baby and she's out of the house. And then my middle one who's 18 is in college now and living on campus and and my youngest is 16, but I preach to all of them about balance 
because this is where I saw my mother did not or my father help us learn that as children, you know, boundaries mm-hmm. and balance because they didn't know it either. I mean, it's not, you know, they they didn't have the tools and I understand right. that and I have compassion for that. But, you know, I know what happens when you're unbalanced now. And to me, it's like the key, you know, like too much or too little, you know, can be dangerous, but definitely too much in my opinion of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of most of the things in my life. And that's with relationships as well. You know, it's like, you know, I just, I find it, I'm with you, Jenny. I find it way more healthy to, you know, to just be even what you're describing, Kathy, of, you know, we don't have to be friends. We're family and we can love each other. We don't have to be overly involved in everything. Right. Right. Are there any... I want to say, what are some of the similarities that you find in the the people that you're are involved in your study? Addiction, codependence, narcissism, somewhere in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, there's well, so there seems to be this like range of people who just felt a little different. Um, maybe were teased or just made different choices to all out like abuse, Mm -hmm. um, like horrific, some horrific stories. Um, and so, but the similarities are, you know, feeling alone, feeling, um, like less than at least when with the family, right? Like in relation to the family, like less than that there's something wrong that, that, that the black sheep is the problem rather than the black sheep is the mirror, Mm -hmm. right? To the dysfunction. Um, Like, I feel like the black sheep is the one that's the most awake Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone else is just following along, which, it, you know, makes sense when you think about white sheep and black sheep and how we mm-hmm. characterize sheep. They just follow. Right. Mm-hmm. But the black sheep stands out and is different. And yeah, I, th- I think that's being able to see that dysfunction and calling it out and then getting that neg- that backlash for mm-hmm. calling it out. Yeah. And, you know, and then, and then having to like find their own tribe, you know, of Mm -hmm. supportive people. And some people don't find that tribe. And, and, you know, some of, I talked to a couple women and who um, have just realized they are better off alone you know, mm-hmm. that the abuse was so bad that they can't really have any kind of relationship if it's friendship or romantic, that they're just, they could be a parent. Like I think these two women had children and were doing a way different job <laughs> than was done to them, mm-hmm. but have found that they just do better alone. Um which makes, you know, feel sad to me, but for them, right. that, it didn't make them feel sad. Like that's, they just realized that about themselves. They're better off alone. They're functioning. They're providing for themselves and their child. So like I'm, I would struggle being alone, but they're not. So, you know, yeah, not for me, yeah. Not for me to judge, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I like that you pointed out, you have to find your tribe. Because that's something Jenny and I have talked quite a bit about and have similar feelings about is, you know, I'm a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person, but I believe in a higher power. And, you know, that higher power has provided the the souls that I need in my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, because I do feel like and like you said, I mean, to each is his own. But, you know, I do feel like you need some kind of community And when your parents and your siblings 
who, yeah, I think in all intents purposes, they sh- if it's functioning well and it's healthy, that is what I think is intended throughout your life. But that's just not the way humanity works. And, you know, I just I think that, you know, I've been able to find the people that I need and that my children need and my husband, you know, and us as a family, you know, that we need to fill those spots, which I'm grateful for, you know, but without it, I would, I am with you. I would have a really hard time, you know, and I have, there's been times where I didn't have that support, you know, fully. So it it is a hard spot to be in. Yeah. I I can understand that. I mean, I went, you know, I've had always, I've always had a lot of friends, but I've also had a lot of friends that weren't exactly great for me. Um, that were friends with me because of things I could do for them or, you know, just whatever reason. But in for the last 20 years, it's been, you know, my husband and son and I and through everything. But I'd reached a point in my life where I was just not going to let any more friends in. I was just done. And I did, said to myself, I don't need it. I don't need any more friendships. I'm tired of having my heart broken by people. And it's just, I'm just going to focus on my, my family here, the three of us. Mm-hmm. And I went to work this place mm-hmm. with Ellie's best friend, Maria. And, you know, she would always invite me to places, invite me to things. And I, you know, I'd say I was going to go or I, and I'd not show up or I'd just politely decline. And by golly, those two, they pushed their way in <laughs> and they made me part of their tribe. But in doing so, I mean, I, I mean, I was 45 at the time or no, I was like my early 40s at the time because I'm 49 now. But you know, in doing so, I like late in life, I realized what it was like to be unconditionally loved by someone, by your friends mm-hmm. and be accepted and to have an argument or a squabble. But that didn't mean you were never going to see that person again or that they were going to hate mm-hmm. you or not talk to you or disown you from their lives or you know, verbally abuse you. It was, you know, conversations are had and there's give and take and they just want to be in your presence because you make them laugh and you enjoy it. They enjoy you and vice versa. So it took me years to get to that point too. So I understand that. Oh, and you know, every time you say that, I want to like cry. (laughs) But you know, and I learned, I did learn that at a young age um, because of our friend Maria honestly, in Mm -hmm. that friendship. And I think honestly with my husband as well. Um, but I never had a lot of friends as an adult, you know, I had, I've had acquaintances and, and kids that were friends with my kids, parents that I knew, you know, but not close friendships, you know, but, um, I knew enough to keep people out. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) like I, I was, you know, and my husband who's, I'm super outgoing, my husband's not. So that's always kind of my job to like pull people in, you know, <laughs> and, you know, but I would try and I could see the red flags quick. And I think especially once I had, you know, my my oldest daughter, I was very young. By the time um, I had my second daughter, you know, it was like I had a whole that's really what did it. It was like we, my husband and I both really put up some serious like rules and boundaries for our family. It was like, we recognized as parents really fully what had happened to us as children. Not that it was, you know, horrific in any way, but what we didn't want to do with our children. Right. And we were trying, no matter what we were pushing back, like, no, we're not going to do what you want us to do just because you want us to do it. Like we see issues here and we need to shield our children from certain things. We didn't always do the best job, you know, but we've been trying. And I think now they're even way better off. I mean, they are so much, they have way more tools than, than we did, you know? So it's like, I see the cycle being broken, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I love that. And I've told my husband this so many times we're, we're brand new grandparents. We have a seven month old granddaughter. And I told him, I'm like, it's so wonderful to think that we maybe didn't get what we needed and, and our kids all the time, maybe, but 
we get to be a totally new set of parents and grandparents and how we parent our adult children, which Jenny and I talk a lot about because mm-hmm. that's the new phase in our life. And right. it's really tricky. <laughs> and but we can do it way healthier. So it's like at least at le- I'm grateful that we've at least recognized it so that maybe we can do better moving forward. Right. Yeah, I mean, I definitely did things differently raising my son. Um, I do still think that I was emotionally immature. And so there are things that, you know, I cringe at thinking. Oh, yeah. Um, But I know I did other things differently than how I was parented. Mm -hmm. and, and what's even, the saying, you know, better, you do better. Right. That's right. what I tell myself all the time. When I have those cringy, intrusive thoughts, I'm like, Oh, okay. You didn't know better. Now you do. So you do better. <laughs> right. And my son was eight when his father and I um, split up and I, both his father and I like remarried like a month apart. Um, oh, wow. Like within um, a short time, but I swear my current husband made me a better parent, Mm -hmm. um, by seeing, not that his, my son's, so my ex, my ex was an excellent parent, but because we weren't good, Mm -hmm. um, I still felt like I was in a conditional relationship. I still felt less than with him. Um, And so I think that feeling of less than showed up, you know, in my marriage and my other friendships and what I was willing to tolerate from other people. Um, And, but then when I, you know, moved to this house and got friends in the neighborhood and I was like, Wow, I actually have friends that are like good. <laughs> you yeah. know, they weren't takers or I didn't feel less than that they saw my crazy and were like, yeah, well, whatever. That's you know, cool. <laughs> you anyway, right? Come on. Um, in. <laughs> right. And then having my husband see, like, accept me just as I am, flaws and all, and would mm-hmm. actually come out and say, when I would be feeling like, depressed or down about something and you know particularly in the beginning and crying and be like well this 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 is the real me like uh." (laughs) and he's like that's what I love about you and I'm like what are you insane right and (laughs) as opposed to well yeah you know you need to get your shit together like yeah he accepted Mm -hmm. that this is part of humanity Mm -hmm. and my humanity and so by having that you know, I, I became a better person just being in his presence, you know, and then, you know, obviously as a therapist doing my own work and helping other people, you know, um, has helped as well. But, um, you know, I do feel bad in a way that I wasn't able to break a lot of the things while my son was growing up, but I think I broke enough and, he is mm-hmm. getting a different parent now um, that he's now like on a path to eventually become a parent himself. And which so, matters. I mean, it's mm-hmm. never too late. Like, I think that's what our parents did wrong. They gave up and just, I, I see the guilt, you know, and I can have empathy for that now as a parent, you know, and, but no matter how guilty I would feel or ashamed of, choices I made or things I did or things I said, I just refuse to give up, you know? So I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. My mother doesn't see her, her mistakes. She sometimes when in a dark, quiet place, she'll say, (laughs) I should have done better or I did Mm -hmm. this to you and that was horrible or it'll be, you're so much I'll get a, you're so much of a better mother than I was. I could never do all that you do. 
I understand my mother was broken, so I mm-hmm. I try to have compassion for that. I, I you know I, you know I've been obviously been to a lot of therapy, and you know I, I I've seen a trauma therapist. I was seeing a trauma therapist last year, and you know she helped me to see things differently by um you know has the uh, hierarchy of needs and looking at things that way i you know she she did assure me that i've broken the cycle which uh, you know i knew that already and my son and mm-hmm. i have a, a completely different relationship than my mother and i did and I, i've tried to shield him from it he unfortunately he's witnessed it so he knows and, mm-hmm. and and i don't know how but at his age i mean he is 18 now but even when he was younger he was he's able to compartmentalize it and say and say to her you shouldn't have done that that was bad and then continue on loving her like it's it's nothing mm-hmm. it's it's just, it's just and I'm, but i'm glad he can do that but i do uh, you know in his later teen years and even early before that i i there were i used to limit the contact of how much alone time they had together because i just she is regards him like she does my brother is another golden child and he can do no wrong in her eyes so i never had to worry about abuse but you know there was a lot of inappropriate things jenny do you feel like and maybe kathy you can hit on this i don't know if you're relating to our mom talk but um my mom will do the same thing she'll admit wrongdoing she'll Oh, you're such a better parent. I've heard that one many times, but I almost feel like she does it so that I will comfort her. Mm-hmm. She does more than mm-hmm. own the behavior, which again I have empathy for because I'm I am codependent. I am codependent, and by nature, it's like I I revert back and 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 I want to just comfort when I know you're hurting. You know, as do I. Um, and, and it's part of that, I'm sure you know, the dysfunction, you know, period, right. you know, I shouldn't feel like I need to comfort my mother. It should be the other way around, you know, I mean, about things like that. Um, But another one that I always heard, and maybe this, because I'm still trying to figure out if I'm a black sheep, but um, <laughs> I heard constantly, you're so emotional. Oh, God, yeah, you're so too. emotional, too sensitive. Yeah, you're too sensitive. That one even more. You're you're too sensitive. And I used to, so I would totally think, okay, it's me. I'm just freaking weird. Like I'm crazy or something. And the older I got, and especially in the last, like, I'd say 10 years, I'm like, you know what? No, you gaslighter. You're hurting me. You're doing (laughs) horrible shit to me. I'm appropriately appropriately sensitive to your insensitivity. (laughs) You're mean. (laughs) Right. You know, it was like, it took me forever. I think my kids have taught me some of that. I mean, these kids are, oh, sorry. That's my cat. He just jumped on the table. Uh, (laughs) They, they are picking up on this stuff at a young age and, Mm -hmm. you know, but they'll point things out to me like, mommy, that's gaslighting. (laughs) Or like, you know, and I'm like, oh God, they're telling me. (laughs) Like, awesome that they're so emotionally aware. Uh, oh, well, I've been paying for counseling for a while now because oh, well, I knew <laughs> this is not a one-man job. <laughs> I mean, I'm working on things, but I'm a long way from finished. <laughs> so, yeah, my mother would never admit she... I'm wondering if I should be making a blanket statement. I cannot remember. Let me qualify it. I can't remember my mother apologizing for how she parented um and I didn't get compliments on how I parented um so that part I I don't necessarily relate to you guys um but Yeah, she couldn't see some of the things. And she would bring up the same, you know, couple stories all the time Mm. and thought that they were funny. Yeah, Um, Like, she sat on my bed the night before eighth grade trip going to 
Washington, D.C. with my entire class for four days, sat on my bed crying, thinking that I was going to get separated from the group and get lost. And she was terrified that I would be lost in um, Washington, D.C. at at eighth grade, whatever that is, 13, 13, 14. And... And she would bring, I don't know how many times she brought that up over the years, and she doesn't see the dysfunction in the fact that now you're passing your anxiety on to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but also, like, you know, she would take us shopping as little kids, and we're bored out of our minds, or I was bored out of my mind, I'm <laughs> my sisters, and so I'd go find something to do. I would, like, play in the, you know, like, the circle clothing racks i'd play inside of it oh, yeah. and then she would walk away i didn't walk away she would walk away and we would get separated so she's remembering when i'm like five six seven mm-hmm. bored shopping and thinking that For not being was, attentive yeah right and she's the one that walked away and not wondering where her kid is <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, it was, but it was me who got lost well no, you lost me. You took a kid shopping for hours that is not entertaining to them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. That's um, I like that perspective. Yeah. And you know, so she would bring that up a lot, and there was other stories that she would bring up, and she could never see her part in it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I quit college. I went went to college out of high school and was studying anthropology, psychology, sociology. And she'd be like, I understand why you love that. Um, But could you do something that makes money? Because (laughs) you're not going to make any money with a bachelor's degree in psychology, Mm. which is not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But so now I've, you know, I'm this, kid that didn't feel ready to go to college in the first place but my choice was to stay at home and work at mcdonald's the rest of my life right join the navy which she was not i am not joining the navy as uh, an enlisted i can join as an officer which of course you have to go to college for right and Mm -hmm. so now i'm at college loving it and smashing those dreams and so i quit like, I didn't trust my, I was immature enough that I didn't trust myself. Like, mm-hmm. and so I quit and it took me 20 years to eventually get my bachelor's degree. Um, but, you know, she didn't see her part in that. She just saw I gave up. Yeah. And rather than, well, you had a part to play in that. Mm-hmm. Of like telling me I couldn't trust what was good for me right you know and now i'm doing what i wanted to do <laughs> way back in the then. first place yeah right uh, but i wasn't confident enough because of all you know there was so many examples of telling me that what i was thinking and feeling was wrong yeah so you know i learned not to trust my feelings and that you know again was part of you know, how can I trust my instincts when meeting and befriending people? Because right. they've always been wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, so it, it really was finding those people that liked all of me that really mm-hmm. helped me mature, right? Like And, and the, get self-esteem, gain self-esteem. I mean. Right. Yeah. 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 It's It's so... Um, you know, like so much, like we're not these, we're, we're programmed every day with the interactions that we have Mm -hmm. and that builds our filter that we see the world from and we see ourselves Mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it does take, you know, some maturity to then look at that filter and go, what can I do about this? You know, and, Mm -hmm. and through therapy and, and finding people that love our crazy. 
You know? Exactly it right there. Yeah. Right. And going, oh, well, maybe I am worthy. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not yeah. so bad. Maybe I've just been around the wrong people all this time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that I think brings us back to what we we're talking about before. What's healthy for us and is spending time with family or spending a lot of time with family, you know, is that is that healthy for us? Right. You know, can you do it on small doses, you know, or for some people, they have to just completely sever the ties and, you know, or what I'm trying to do is just kind of learn to stand up for myself and have the boundaries and point out the ways that they're being mean or rude or, Mm -hmm. you know, not letting something go um, so that I can still have a connection, but on my terms. Yeah. I like that connection. Yeah. Relationship. You know, I think that's what, yeah, I want to maintain a connection, but no interest like in a relationship there well i'm very <laughs> weary i'm very leery yeah. of relationships you know when i had this conversation with my one sister which i thought i was making some headway and it didn't end well but we're we're okay but um i was trying to explain my anxiety cuz i i do suffer with anxiety And, um, and it's, I'm in that perimenopause stage of life and I know that's making everything worse. So I've gotten very protective of my peace (laughs) and, and being careful about triggers, you know, and, and different things. But I was trying to explain to her the boundary thing, which my one sister and my father, especially who's a retired Navy SEAL are not fond of, <laughs> like, right? <laughs> but I was explaining to her, it's not just about me, not the way I think about it. It's also about them because I, the one thing that feels even worse to me, which maybe this is the codependency again, than them hurting me is if I hurt them. Me too. And okay. I don't want to hurt anyone. I I don't want to be the cause of their suffering, of their pain, of their anxiety. And I know if I allow certain conversations to happen or too much involvement or whatever, there's different things that I could be capable of that. So the mm-hmm. boundaries there to protect me and them, you know, right. It's like, listen, this is for your own good as well. You, you don't, you don't want to light this fire. Like, <laughs> it's like, let's, let's keep everything nice and calm. <laughs> right. I mean, boundaries are boundaries are not meant to end the relationship. Boundaries are meant to maintain the relationship at a healthy place. Right. And it's letting them know what is and isn't okay. Giving them instructions, kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, that if we're going to maintain this relationship or this connection, this is what I will and won't be okay with you know so it isn't like you know it's not an impenetrable wall it's got doors and windows but there are some things that are just off limits Mm -hmm. you know Mm um and and they're healthy but i think people that are still codependent or narcissists or narcissistic you're denying them access. Mm-hmm. They have a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. That's what I was hearing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even like, you know, our thought that, well, I don't want to be causing them pain because we know what that pain feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it is interesting that despite the fact that we've been hurt so many times, we're still looking out for the people that hurt us, but it's because we know what that hurt feels like. Yeah. Which that's, so what, you know, it's like the kid that's bullied at school. It creates empathy, hopefully mm-hmm. later, you know, the good side of it anyway, it can also go the other way, but you know, it can create that empathetic personality. Right. Well, compassionate. Yeah, so I, well, compassionate. I, have, I guess I should say, because they know what it feels like. 
you had asked me earlier, what is um, a similarity? Well, something I have noticed is that the people that I've spoken to are granted self-selected. <laughs> <laughs> um, and most, so I have, I've only spoken to women, but I've had a lot of men fill out the survey. Um, but the women that have agreed to have interviews so many, if not all, were more like empaths. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of talked about, well, were they an empath before being treated negatively? Is that what made them different? Or did they become an empath because of the treatment? And I think for a lot of us, it was both. It was that mm, empath made say. us different but then also because of that hurt, they want to help other people. They want to prevent other mm -hmm. people from feeling pain, you know, and mm -hmm. so many of these women that I spoke to, they're in helping jobs. And I yeah. know, Allie, you're a nurse, mm -hmm. right? You're helping. I'm, I'm a CNA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Um, My nurse's assistant. Okay. I'm an yeah. a helping professional. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just kind of an interesting dynamic. I mean, it's one of the positives that comes out of this. Yeah. Right. That they become the helpers. They become the cycle breakers. And, and it's funny because all three of my daughters, you know, who are now in that phase of life to choose careers two want to be social workers. One wants to be a teacher. <laughs> and I'm like, um, can anybody say I've been raised by an empath? Because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And right. they are, they, all three of them just are naturally, I, th I think are, it's innately in them, but you know, yeah, I think I've had enough awareness to try to, especially with my younger two, my oldest, you know, bless her heart. It's, I was, I was a teenage mom, you know, it, it took me a while to get my rhythm, you know, and become mm -hmm. a really good mom to her because I don't feel like I was in the beginning. But I did the best I could with what I had. But, you know, I was able to gather enough tools and understanding about all of these things. And I do credit my mom because even though she's broken and she, you know, it's dysfunctional, she did make sure we got counseling. Um, she was part of a 12-step program because she was an alcoholic and recovering. And she exposed us to those things, which I do think taught me a whole lot when I was young. Um, so yeah, it was helpful, but they are very, very empathic. Yeah. And very altruistic. And those are the the things that are important to them. And that's the most, what I'm the most proud of about them. Yeah. And yes, I've told them they're not going to make any money, <laughs> but well, I still think I'm they should do it. Worker and I'm doing pretty good. So. <laughs> but I said, even if you don't, my thing with them has been, because I'm I'm the opposite. I'm like, listen, don't do anything because you want to make money. Do no, it because you, you love it. And yes. you'll never work a day in your life, you know, period. Look, I'm a yes. CNA. Okay. I don't make money. Okay. Like, but I love this job. And, you know, as my kids got older and I'm getting older, you know, everybody will say, well, do you want to go back to school? You want to go back to school, don't you? Not really. I love my job. I am so good at it. It fills my heart. It is hard work, but... I love it. And, you know, no, I'm 42 years old. I don't want to go back to school right now. Like, that's just not my shtick, you know. So certainly I and granted, my husband has is self-employed and does flooring. So, you know, he's very busy. He makes good money. So I've got, you know, a little bit of leeway. But I've told all three of them. The only thing that I cared about was that they had some way to make some kind of money as right. women. That's it. You don't even have to go to college, but you have to have a plan, something. So that's it for me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. well, I'm sure if we wanted to, we could probably keep you another two hours picking your brain. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> since we're over an hour, we should probably wrap this up. Okay. <laughs> And maybe you can come back on again um, after your, your study is concluded and, and your book is written and we'll tell everybody about it. 
the thing is there a timeline with any of that well um I'm still open to having more interviews, but I am at a point where I think I'm going to start writing the book and like getting it organized and figuring out what that process is. You mm -hmm. know, is it self-publishing? Is it, you know, whatever the uh, other yeah, yeah. <laughs> options are. How does this work? Um, yeah. And, and even when thinking about this, like, you know, I've, I've had a couple workshops about, you know, therapists being writers and, um, you know, you don't make any money. And mm -hmm. that's not my reason anyway. Right. Like, my reason is partly for me. Right. And mm -hmm. partly to help other people on their journey. And if I can help even just one other person, and I think so many people have just by participating in the study has helped them. Um, right. but like having, a book that goes, yes, this is me. Now what? What yeah. do I do? What are what are my options? How how do I heal this? How do I feel good about who I am? Because we all have gifts. Mm -hmm. You know? And so if I can help people see that and find their tribe and figure out how much contact they have with the people that hurt them then yeah, I don't need to make money off of it. I just get the word out and get a resource for people is, you know. It's kind of like our like, podcast, Jenny. Pretty much. It's a labor <laughs> you know, of love. I mean, <laughs> it's definitely a labor of love. I'll tell you that. Right. <laughs> but it, it's good. It feels good if you reach even one person and give somebody that needed it so desperately some clarity, you know, I think... What's better than that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, everybody, Kathy's website is beingtheblacksheep.com and you can visit it and find out more information. There is also a link with all of her information, social media on our website with the episode, on this episode page. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Kathy, so much for being a part of our, our episode today. Oh, thank you so much yes. for having me. This has been fun. Yes, yes. it has. All right. All well, right. Hopefully we'll talk again in the future. Hopefully. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.